Hello, and welcome to Eastgate Community Church. We are so glad you've joined us to listen to this message from our weekend encounter. We pray you are encouraged by what you are about to hear. For us, is always nearness. And, and so these, I, I really believe it's right on, especially, I feel like he's just been already confirming it. So I feel like a little bit of a switch of a direction, but it's not. And so I just want to share something that's really, I believe, a key for us to, to engage with him. Out. So we're gonna we're gonna hit you from all different angles: the weird, the the flags, the prophetic, the whiteboard, the word. We're just gonna we're gonna get everybody. This is out of um, Luke 24, and I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. So if you know what that is, it's a somewhat of a paraphrase, so it may be difficult for you to follow along in a regular translation. But it's uh, Luke 24. I'm sorry, I think I said the wrong book. Luke 24. Just going to read some of these things and just go through this together. But I really feel like, and just a little explanation of what what we just did. You know, I thought the Lord was saying we were going to, and I just didn't know how or when, but we were going to. Uh, prophetically declare make declarations that are like legislation that are like laws so i really believe what we just did and in in one sense not only is it just praise and worship but it was a a legal declaration in the spirit of different things that are going on and so i feel like he took us kind of a little bit ahead and we did some stuff we did some work with him and now we're going to come back um and, and just look at a couple things that he's sharing i believe and what it really takes to to not just make the prophetic declarations or or to declare the legislation in the spirit um, but also how to walk in it how to walk fully in what we just talked about and what we just declared before the Lord. so i believe that that was that was huge that was a that was a big deal and if you i guess if just what happens in the spirit when we do that's really interesting and what we're engaging and what we're um what we're doing and those things are just really awesome and so um, we're not going to leave that. So this, that's why just hopefully as we go, you'll understand kind of how what we're flowing in. Uh, but this is Luke 24. It says, Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices that they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanne, Mary, Jesus' mother. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces. The men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living in a tomb? He's not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The Son of Man must, is destined to be handed over to sinful men to be nailed to a cross. But on the third day he will rise again. At once they remembered the words. Leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the eleven and to all the others on what they had seen and what they had heard. When the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense. And they were unable to believe what they heard. But Peter jumped up and ran the entire distance to the tomb to see for himself. Stooping down, he looked inside and discovered it was empty. 
There was only a linen sheet lying there. Staggered by this, he walked away, wondering what it could have meant. Later that Sunday, two, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about seven miles. And they were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them, accompanied them on their journey. And they were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them, for God prevented them from recognizing him. Jesus says to them, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. They stopped and one named Cleopas answered, have you heard? Have you not heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? Jesus asked, what things? The things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priests and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We had all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Early this morning, when some of the women informed, of, informed us of something amazing, they said that they went to the tomb and found it empty. They claimed two angels appeared to them and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly like the women said, but no one has seen him. Jesus says to them, why are you so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for Christ, the Messiah, to experience all these sufferings and then afterward to enter into his glory? Then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scripture. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. As they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling the men he was going on to a distant place. Yet they urged him to remain there and pleaded, stay with us, for it'll be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village. And joined them, joining them at the table for supper, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And at once their eyes were open and they realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes. Stunned, the men looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while he walked beside us? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. They left at once and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. And when they found the eleven and the others all gathered together, they overheard them saying, It's true, the Lord has risen from the dead. He even appeared to Peter. Then the two disciples told the others what, the, what had happened to them on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus had unveiled himself as he broke bread with them. While they were still all discussing this, Jesus suddenly manifests right in front of their eyes. Startled and terrified, the disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost. Standing there amongst them, he said, be at peace for I am the living God. Don't be afraid. Why would you be so frightened? Don't let doubt or fear enter into your hearts, for I am. Come and gaze upon my pierced hands and feet. See for yourselves it is I standing here alive. Touch me and know that my wounds are real and that I have a body of flesh and bone. 
We're going to read a little bit more, but it's just like, I love this because I, I don't give them a hard time. But this is nuts. This is crazy. They are the ones who've walked with Jesus for these all these years, you know, for these three years of his ministry and his life. They've seen the miracles. They've seen all the crazy stuff. Um, they were face to face with him. A couple of them in this group that I just read about right here saw Jesus transfigured on the mountain, saw Moses, saw Elijah transfigured on the mountain. They saw all the stuff, all the bread, multiplying the fish, multiplying the thousands being fed, the, the thousands and thousands being healed and, and demons cast out and all these crazy. These are the ones like we're talking about. They saw him like in the flesh. They walked with him. They talked with him. This is the same, one of the same that laid with Jesus with literally heard Jesus' heartbeat. John with his laying with Jesus at the, at the supper table with his head up against his heart. It was called the beloved. Like these are the ones that we're, that we're talking about. And so I don't want to be hard on them, but this is an, this is a, a type and a shadow of us. Like they walked with him. They talked with him. They saw him. They felt him. They touched him. Yet when the stuff starts happening different than what they understood, everything falls apart. Like all of their understanding, all of their confidence, all of their reasoning, all of their everything starts falling apart. And it's just really, really interesting. I don't want to miss that. And I hope that we're injecting ourselves into this because wherever we're at in this kind of deal, um, there's a difference between sometimes and we're big about this and we've been talking about it like i want to see jesus like i'm telling you you can see him you know what's the greek word for see it means to see like there's nothing complicated there's nothing we don't have to theologically doctrinal stuff our way around what that means like we can see him like he's real we're made for him we've been redeemed and set free and he dwells inside of us the fullness of god inside of us he's the hope of glory in us um we can see him yet these they saw him like they're walking with him and there's a big difference in the i just want to get to a couple of things that you show me out of this there's a big difference in in even seeing and experiencing like they did uh, connecting their experience and what they see with their heart and what they can actually believe and they're still in a state of unbelief they're still in a state of struggling like okay they're talking about this the the women see him at the tomb. Uh, he appears to Peter. Uh, the, the ones on the road to Mace, like, they know. This is not conjecture. They know. Like, when the Lord finally opens up their eyes in all these moments, they know they've seen him. Mary sees him in the garden, even though she thought he was a gardener, uh, right? But so they're seeing him. And yet, in this moment that we catch him in here, it says, while they were still discussing this, what? Discussing what? Seeing Jesus, like, actually seeing him, like, actually being with him. They were discussing all of this. Jesus suddenly manifested right in front of their eyes startled and terrified the disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost like, and just the point is like when we can't believe it's like how far our minds and our souls go to not actually be able to apprehend what we're really seeing like they were more apt to believe that the one standing in front of them was a ghost and not Jesus, even though they had multiple visits. You get what I'm saying? Like, how, like, what? What are you talking about? Like, you walked with him, you knew him, you smelled him, you, y'all were connected, you knew each other, yet he's still standing in front of you. And they, and it's easier to understand that he would be a ghost than Jesus. And it's not because they were stupid, and it's not because they didn't have relational experience with them, but there was something still after three, three and a half years that yet to be unlocked on the inside of them. After Jesus responds to him, it says the disciples were ecstatic, yet dumbfounded, unable to fully comprehend what was just happening in, in front of him. Knowing that they were still wondering if he was real, and I love the, just the compassion and the 
practical as we'll see uh, uh, Jesus understanding where we're at in the midst of this deal. He's, he's revealed in front of them, the resurrected, already been before the Father, transfigured in a heavenly body, Jesus standing right in front of them, and he understands that they don't quite get it yet. Even like after all the teachings, all the conversations, all the miracles, they still, there's just something yet that they've been able to grasp and get. It says, knowing that they were still wondering if he was real, and you know what? What it really goes down to, and I think what this is, this is one piece of it, but they're hitting up against the religious understanding that even in the midst of the three and a half years of seeing Jesus, they still held out. Even though he told them he was going to die, he was going to go to the cross, he's going to be buried for three days, you destroy this temple, it'll be remade in three days. Even though he told them all that stuff, they still thought he was going to come and fulfill the Jewish stereotypical redeemer role that they had understood. They were he's going to overthrow the Roman government and he was going to reestablish and redeem Israel. I mean, even his own followers, those ones that are closest to him, uh, still were under the delusion in the deception of a religious understanding and couldn't yet grasp or understand what is happening like in their midst. Does that make sense? Like a little bit of a reframing. And we do this all the time. We have these things all mixed up in our heads right now, but it's like how dangerous religious understandings are empty 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 religious understandings because they're seeing the manifestation right in front of them and they're still they just can't grasp they can't deal with these what's happening because they're so tied up in a system that looks a certain way it's just crazy to me and i mean we're right in the middle of so many of it and it's it's so intertwined and it's so interwoven because we'd say if jesus would just show up everything would be different everything would change and it's true i mean he does change stuff whenever when you see him and when he shows up before you but we have got to deal with these like religious garbage systems that are that are undercutting and keeping us from actually engaging with him Jesus says to him, here, let me show you. Give me something to eat. So they handed him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and they watched him eat it. That's got to be a strange experience. And then he said to them, don't you remember the words that I spoke to you when I, when I was still with you? I told you that everything written about me would be fulfilled. So he's starting to dig into this thing just a little bit. He said, "This it is fulfilled. It's just not what you thought it was. I told you that everything written about me would be fulfilled, including all the prophecies from the law of Moses through the Psalms and the writings of the prophets, that they would all find their fulfillment in what has happened. This is our key verse tonight. Just shook me whenever I read it for the first time, and he just opened it up. Verse 45, then he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation from the scriptures. And he said to them, everything, this is Jesus, everything that has happened fulfills what was prophesied of me. Christ, the Messiah, was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now you must go into all the nations and preach salvation, grace, and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem, for you are my witnesses and have seen for yourselves all that has transpired. And I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. For I will send the kingdom, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. So stay here in the city until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. I just want to do a little bit uh, of study real fast. This is the translation 
that's probably most of your Bibles, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, Luke 24, verse 45. And so I didn't go through and write all the Greek stuff down, but this is how I like to dissect and just deal with scriptures. And so when the Lord, you know, highlights something to me, it's like, whoa, okay, I want to, I'm going to know a little bit more about what's going on. I just go through and word by word, just start reading. What does that word mean? What's the cultural context of this word and this word and this word and this word. So if you were here last week, we talked about the living word. And so it's kind of a, I didn't intend on it being like this, but it's almost like the flip side of last week. You know, last week we were talking about logos, which, you know, lots of people talk about means the Bible, like the, like the Bible, you know, those people probably wouldn't think this is the Bible, but like a King James Bible. Um, and it's really not. I mean, it's it's in, it's wrapped up in that. But logos is a living word. Logos is is Jesus. Logos is not a book. It's not it's not a transcription of things. It is a person. It is Jesus. It is God. It's the it's the eloquence of the language of the thoughts of God. And that's what Jesus is. The Hebrews puts it this way: that or is it Colossians? Either way, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And is, you know, God's not invisible. It's not like He can't be seen in any form. But in this dimension, in this reality, He's spirit, and we're in bodies. Right? We're spirit as well. But we, it's we got to walk in Him and grow in Him and mature in Him to be able to see into the spirit. But Jesus comes as a manifest that no matter who you were, saved or not, you could see a visible form, the visible perfect representation of the very nature and character and likeness of the Father, because the three. So the, the Logos is the living word. And this is, so if you are here last week, this is graphe. This is literally, I mean, scriptures of things that are written down. And so just a little, a little side deal. But then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This word opens really interesting because there's a key. They understood all the stuff. They had all the experiences. They had all the knowledge. They had seen things that no one else had seen. Like the, the three up on the mountain. They had seen stuff that had been yet to be told to everybody else. Like seeing a transfigured human. Seeing someone who had been dead for, what, hundreds or not. Maybe a thousand or so years. Where they're seeing Moses and Elijah. And this is not like 50 years ago these dudes died. This is like... This long time, you know. And so they had all the experiences, they had all the knowledge, but they still couldn't, they just couldn't get what was going on. And I really feel like, you know, we're pursuing after him, we're pursuing after things of the spirit as a community, we're pursuing after encounter with him and just more than what we've known, more than what we've experienced, more than what we've grown up with in church. But it's just so important, like as we're pursuing after supernatural encounters and healings and signs and wonders and miracles, all that stuff, you can see all that stuff. You can see Jesus and still not be able to connect with who he really is. Like, dude, that's like a, that's real. <laughs> that's real. These, because I'm talking to you about 11 and more that spent years with Jesus in the natural. Got to watch it unfold, got to see this, and they're still struggling to connect. So it's just like, Lord, you know, what does it take, you know, because what does it take to just connect with you? Like, what does it take to really, like, begin to know you? talked about before Matthew 7 21 you know many many will say to me in that day they've done so many different things prophesy cast the demons blah 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 in your name but Jesus will say depart from me for I never knew you you know his desire and that's not a, like a bad guy angry verse that passage isn't because his the, the father's heart that's always represented and echoed in Jesus because it's his heart as well is desire it's nearness it's closeness it's no proximity um we were talking about it the other day, the patience of God. And now Thomas talking about the patience is really long suffering, like the sufferings of Christ. Like he is 
long suffering and he is patient with us. And you know, I was just thinking about that the last couple of days. And I think I've always translated that is he's patient in my weakness and he's patient with me in the midst of my sin. And he's patient with me because I don't have it all together yet. And he is, I mean, no doubt. But you know what I really think the suffering part of that patience comes from? Distance. I don't think he's so concerned with my weakness and with my imperfection because he saw it all before I ever knew it even existed. He's concerned and the suffering comes from the distance that those things produce. And not only just sins, but misunderstandings, not only just sins, but what they're struggling with at this moment. I've seen, I know, I, I've heard, I've tasted, I've touched, I've felt. Yet there's still a distance because Jesus is standing there and they can't understand it. And they're more likely to think that he's a ghost instead of their friend. You know, it is, it, his long suffering, his patience is because of distance. He does not want distance. That's the lie. That's the great conspiracy, the great lie of religion is God's angry with you and he's mad with you and you need to go fix yourself and you need to go clean that up. And Oh my gosh, did you see that thing? You need to go fix that. And it's a never ending loop of I'm messed up and I'm broken when the answer is nearness. Because when you see him, when you behold him, when you gaze him, you become like him before you get fixed. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This word open, I didn't write down the Greek because it don't matter because we don't speak Greek. But the meaning of it isn't just like opening, like opening a door, but it's literally, it's by dividing or drawing asunder, like the firstborn opening up the womb. Yeah, there's some pain over in that side of the room. If you've ever experienced birth or have ever viewed birth, uh, it's a powerful experience and it is gross and bloody and intense to say the least that's what he's when he's talking about opening it's not a magic wand of like holy spirit fairy dust where your minds are open it literally means like giving birth for the first time (laughs) destruction oh my god why did it have to happen that way what is happening right now this is not okay it's opening like birthing it just changed it up a little bit for me because it's not just waiting for him to come and like, like open, but it's like, ah, like everything getting torn up, stuff going everywhere. I should remember when, uh, when Rachel was, Be careful what you're about to say. No, it's just when he's coming and they're like, he's close. And then you can barely see his head and you're like, oh my God, he's never coming out. Like there's no way that's about to happen. It's a, it's, yeah. It's an interesting experience. It's awesome, I guess, but it's intense and it's painful. And so as we are declaring the things that we're being set free from this evening, there's a process on the backside of that stuff. And I think we can get short-circuited on the process of living in the declarations that we made because of the pain and the process that it takes to get your mind opened up, to get your soul opened up, to really be able to like up to walk in, to possess, to to dwell in your own reality of what you were just talking about. I'm free from this thing. Well, that takes an opening. It takes a tearing. It takes a, a rending of what is there to come through, to bring an understanding, to bring truth. And so you open up their minds. Their, their minds is an interesting word. Uh, it's, it's minds as well, but it also speaks more in the Hebrew understanding. It would be like your soul. And so it's things like your thoughts, your feelings, your purposes, your desires. These four main things flow from soul issues or soul gates. And here's some of them right here. A soul gate would be your conscience, your reasoning, your imagination. A soul gate would be your mind, the unconscious, subconscious, and the conscience. 
A soul gate would be your emotions, your choice, and your will. And these are the things that are being opened as we're going into truth and as we're going into the understanding really, really of who Jesus is. And again, these aren't just experiences. These aren't just encounters, but this is nearness. And to be near, it takes a willingness. It takes... It takes an agreement with the one that you're walk, walking with. And I think the Lord's, there's no separation. He paid the price. The judgment was satisfied at the cross. Everything's been done. There's no reason for separation anymore. But but for us to walk with him, we have to be in agreement with him. And he's not pushing you away, but your inability to agree with him about who you really are will drive you away from him. And this is what we're struggling with. And that's probably the things, the things that we declared our freedom from tonight, they're already done. Like we understand that the price has been paid. There's no price yet to be paid for what we were talking about, but it's the agreement. It's the understanding. It's the opening for us to be able to like ascertain, to grab it, to make it our own and to believe it enough to stay in it so that we can stay in a place of nearness. So open up our minds, our soul, any one of these different things to understand the scriptures. To understand is really interesting because where this opening word talks about uh, a rending, a cutting, a dividing. Last week we talked about the, the word, the living word, the logos of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. The ability to come in and divide between the soul and the spirit is very interesting. That this is the same concept. It's actually not the same Greek word, but that's okay. It's the same concept of division or, or bringing something asunder, like tearing something from something else that's what's happening here but to understand isn't just what we would think in our in our our understanding or way we would use the word but it's to set or to bring together like concrete or like glue and so if you've ever poured something like concrete you pour it but you don't just start walking on it right when you pour it or you pour it and then you let it set you let it hard you let it come together you let all that stuff happen on the inside so the understanding is to actually bring together in a set to, to bring together to join together in the mind or the soul so it's opening is tearing rending something for this thing to come into agreement and then the understanding is like the solidification or the locking in of those things that were brought in uh it's interesting too that this word is often directly connected with the fruit of wisdom or wisdom herself and so when he brings opens up their minds to understand it's like he's opening up this place in their soul for wisdom to come in and be seated to guide the, through these different issues and to walk with you through these different things and like we talked about, the scriptures are literally the word. And so last week we talked about the living word. And, and you can read the Bible all day long and not know him. And I think this is the other side of this is we need to know. But you can also see him. You can also experience him and encounter him and not know him. If you're understanding your, or your soul doesn't get opened up to come to a place where you can you can believe him. Like, and this is a supernatural thing. This isn't try harder. This isn't read more. This isn't buy the next book or buy the old book this is like this is something that jesus does uh in the disciples and in in, in his disciples process that was three and a half years into walking with him but it's something that they needed uh, because they couldn't just keep going on with what they knew uh, from their religious past and then what they knew from their new experiential present but they had to have the supernatural thing come in and bring to a conclusion all the stuff that had happened, which tore down some things, which opened up a lot of this stuff inside of them, and then set truth so they can actually begin to understand and believe who Jesus is. And I think not only, like we've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, that happens in Acts, which I think is huge to be a transformative um, 
event in the disciple's life, but I think we miss these types of things, which, you know, I wonder how much of this is in, in that same process. You know what I'm saying? Like we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need this opened up on the inside of us for us to be able to really, really walk with him. And so, uh, that's as far as I got with everything. So, So I like to do, what time is it? Oh yeah, we're doing good. Like I said, we shift things up a little bit. I'd like to go into just some some worship and just do business with him. Like this may be like a strange like service type of deal, but I really felt like the Lord was saying, because I kept asking, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I just felt like he's saying, like, if you just give me space for a second, like bring some bring some of this stuff, bring this key, and then give everybody space, and then he just wants to meet with us. And so maybe we go through these different things, these places of the soul that he wants to open up and do business in that thing. Maybe what you were bringing, declaring, maybe there's some more uh, deals that he just wants to speak into that. But I just want to, in whatever way that looks like for us, I, I don't even know. He's just going to lead us. The Holy Spirit's going to lead us into just asking to open us up in this way and maybe that's something that happens tonight maybe it's something that's a process and we get to walk it out maybe, you know i don't think it's a one and done kind of deal uh, there's constantly so many things that he's doing um, but i believe there's a true like supernatural thing that he wants to that he just wants to do that he wants to open up on the inside of us that's going to take us to a new place in, in as individuals to really connect with him and i really feel like it has a lot for most of us probably to do with our identity, you know, and these things that we're declaring freedom from, because uh, it's already been paid. Like we could go on all night about that. It's already been done. The price has already been paid. Uh, you are under the judgment of God, and His judgment is: I love you. I purchase you. I want to be as close to you as possible. Like that's the judgment of God that we're under right now, and and He really is good, and He really is better than what we think. And uh, and so I, I think that has a lot to do with this. I think we know it. And like I could preach it, but when it comes to, you know, when the rubber meets the road, sometimes it's difficult. And it's just like, oh, I still don't believe yet. I still don't know. And there's nothing I can do to make that happen. And so I just want to give them space. We've got tables and pens. We have floors. We have other rooms, whatever. Uh, and just engage with him. Let's just ask him uh, how he wants to do that, what he wants to do. And just be totally open. Because that's the one thing I felt like is there was so much of an invitation for us this evening to come into a new place with him. Uh, I can't, I'm not going to begin to define that for you, but I knew, I knew he said it was for everybody. The newest to the oldest, like the most experienced to the least experienced, like no matter what you've done or accomplished, like there was an invitation uh, from the Lord this evening to open up some spaces and places in us to begin to set and establish and ground truth uh, in the inner man so that we can stop wrestling with things that had already been purchased and paid for begin to walk with him in a new level of nearness and so uh, we're just going to go into some worship i'm going to move this like over here so it's out of the way and uh and you guys if you have something um go ahead and feel free we're just going to have this time and if anyone else has anything get with these two guys we're just going to go for it for a little while and i uh, give him some room to move so father we just lord we just release you in our lives to do whatever you want Lord, to come to us, to reveal yourself to us, Lord, to reveal us to us, Lord, to, to do some healing and shifting and changing, Lord, to bring some 
some tearing, some opening up, some rendering, some pulling off all things, Lord, to make room and, and, and bring us into a position where we can actually uh, begin to walk in truth and walk in understanding, Lord, because you're all about relationship, you're all about nearness, Lord, you're all about face-to-face, heart-to-heart, no distance in between, no separation ever, 24-7 for all of eternity, face-to-face with you, Lord. If we're honest with ourselves in so many ways, we stiff-arm you uh, because of incorrect beliefs or things that have exalted themselves and set themselves up against you, and Lord, we just ask for you to come in your goodness and your kindness and your gentleness and your Father, and you come and remove things, Lord, that separate us from you, and just bring us even closer, Lord, close, like, close like it scares us to be close to you, in your name. Yeah, I just believe this is a word of wisdom for for us tonight, and, and word of wisdom is prophecy, and um, while, we, while I was sitting back there, and we were just praying and seeking the Lord, um, I, I just saw the word vicarious living, and Specifically, I felt like it's, it's in regards to relationships. Um, you know, out of our brokenness, we relate with people. And, and we sometimes look for people to meet our unexpected needs that we may not know we have. But that's how we connect with people. And I really feel like the Lord is purifying relationships purifying your connections, purifying your motives behind why you connect with one another. Um, because so much of seeing Jesus is seeing other people and with, out of a pure heart. And I just feel like there, there's like a realigning in relationships all the time. But specifically for people, you, you in here, that maybe you're feeling a tension in your relationship. Maybe you feel in certain relationships, you feel inferior. If you feel inferior, then then it, it's a there's something there that you're in that relationship, and there's some un, there's some there's some stuff there that's not not good. It's not it's not holy. And if there's you know we form these unholy alliances with people, and sometimes it just, it's just an adjustment, adjustment how you see yourself, an adjustment how you can see them, and just purifying that relationship. And some relationships that in this room that you guys have. Um, you just got to surrender those. You just have to let them go and, um, and, and, and not hold on to them. I, you know, cause I believe so many times we miss the promotion of the Lord because the Lord's trying to separate us and we're holding on out of, out of a fear and we want to control because there's that deep, there's that fear inside of you. And, you know, on the flip side of that, the Lord's trying to bring you out of something and into something greater. And, um, and so I just want to encourage you if that's, you know, just bring that before the Lord, you know, it, our, we should always be doing this, but it, it changes every day and your relationships change. And a while back, the Lord told me, you know how you steward relationships? And, and he began to tell me, you steward the connection that, that, that actually makes the relationship and connections change all the time. And so I feel like there's a grace and understanding to come tonight for, for all of us to make sure our relationships are pure, our connections are pure, and the way we can really move and accelerate with the Lord and let that flow into our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about our community, please visit our website at eastgatetx.org.